Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Kalmbach Feeds. Join Andy Schneider, National Spokesperson for the USDA APHIS Avian Health Program, Editor-in-Chief of Chicken Whisperer Magazine, and author of The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, Chicken Fact or Chicken Poop, and Zero Waste Chicken Keeping, as he welcomes top poultry veterinarians, poultry scientists, and poultry nutritionists to discuss the hot topics in the poultry world today and provide science-based, fact-based, study-based information to help you raise the healthiest poultry possible. And now, here's your host, Andy Schneider. All righty. Thank you very much for tuning in to another edition of Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. We have a great show lined up for you today. American Poultry Association Overview and New Educational Outreach Program. My guest today is Rip Stalvey. He's going to be coming on here in just a minute, and he's going to be sharing all kinds of information about the history of the American Poultry Association, a brief overview, and some really exciting new educational uh, programs that they're doing. Again, kind of to what we do here, kind of share some uh, really good quality science-based, fact-based, study-based information. And so uh, it's going to be great. American Poultry Association, fantastic group of folks. Uh, I've been working off and on with them for many, many years. And they really uh, have been wanting to, I know, start this new educational outreach program for a long time, and it's finally come together. So I want to remind everybody as well, in every issue of Chicken Whisperer magazine, there is an article written by uh, someone associated with the American Poultry Association, whether it be, I think this last uh, issue was, so you want to be a poultry judge, and then the history of the American Poultry Association. And they've, they've actually done some articles about uh, specific breeds and the history of the breed. So fantastic information. You know what? Let's just go ahead and get started. I'll head over to the phone lines right now, and we'll bring on my good friend Rip Stalvey with the American Poultry Association. Uh, welcome, Rip. Thanks for joining us here on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisper. Let's first start off uh, with you sharing a little bit of information about you and your background uh, in poultry and with the American Poultry Association. Then we can get right into the overview for folks that may not know much about APA and then this exciting news about the new educational outreach program. Well, Andy, let me say it's a real pleasure to be here, and I, I appreciate you letting us come on the show today. I'm certainly looking forward to it. Uh, a little bit about my background, I have been involved in standard bread poultry for well over 60 years. It's kind of scary to admit to that, but <laughs> <laughs> one of my earliest childhood memories, uh, I was three years old at the time, and I wanted some chickens, and my grandmother gave me a pair of phantoms, and I was so excited when she laid her first egg, and I grabbed it up, came flying into the house, and opened the refrigerator, and put it in the refrigerator, <laughs> and our refrigerator back then was an old International Harvester refrigerator. Some of you may be old enough to remember those. But in the door was a shelf, and it had holes in that shelf where you put the eggs. Well, I proudly plopped my little Bantam egg right up there in one of those holes, and it proceeded to go straight through onto the floor and bust all over the place. And it was just heartbroken. <laughs> but I got my first standard bread poultry back when I was um, – about nine years old, uh, joined the APA and started showing back when I was 18, uh, became a poultry judge back in the, the 90s, mid-90s, um, and it's just been a, a lot of fun, and I've met a lot of people that have become fast friends over the years, and, and I treasure their friendship. Um, in addition to that, I've, I've I have a background a little bit in education through museum education, and I was uh, a part of the education and information 
program with the Florida Game and Freshwater Fish Commission. So uh, education and, and helping people learn more has kind of always been in my blood, and it's something that I really enjoy doing, and that's why I'm so grateful for the APA providing us the opportunity uh, to do this outreach program. And it's, it's something, frankly, the APA has never had before. So I, I think it's going to be a real good experience for a lot of folks. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, do you have a particular? And I hate it when people ask me this, but so I'm not going to tell you, ask you if you have your a favorite breed. But what what do you? Is there a breed you specialize in when you, we talk about breeding or showing before? And maybe do you still show now that you're a judge, or now you focus on that and, and education? But do you, did you specialize in, in a breed all those years uh, to show? Uh, Andy, for 30 years, I raised Rhode Island Reds. Um, I've always been a huge fan of the birds in the American class, the Reds, the Rocks, the Wyandots, uh, mm -hmm. breeds like that, those kind of dual-purpose breeds. Um, I don't show anymore, um, and it, my judging career is probably about to come to a screeching halt. I have two compression fractures in my back, uh, but this education program is something I can do sitting down or laying down or whatever and, and just have a lot of fun with it. Yeah, I guess with that that uh, the back issue, standing on those concrete four floors uh, in the show arena all day long really takes its toll. <laughs> it does, and it, it's uh, a real challenge sometimes wrestling those great big birds in and out of those show coops. Um, back in my younger days, it wasn't a big deal. Uh, lately, it's become a very huge deal. <laughs> so, <laughs> but. Well, I'm hoping I'm hoping wonder, that a lot of folks. I'm, I was going to say, I hope a lot of folks, especially the younger folks, um, will will you know will appreciate that. All your experience with with the, the hands-on from from the age of three, all of your knowledge, and you know, we always hear respect our elders, and and even I'd like to add to learn from our elders as well because so much stuff we can learn may not be in a textbook and it may not be black and white it may not be right there straightforward um uh, in, in many different topics but especially poultry so um and i think like you talked about earlier you alluded to the great family of people that are involved in the apa um and and showing uh poultry and and so i'm sure that's probably uh uh, done anyway, you know. Hey, we we respect these folks. They they set the uh, the standard, and they have so much to teach and so much that they've learned uh, to share with us. So we really need to take them uh, seriously and try to learn from them because again, it's not all just cut and dry and maybe in, in in a book somewhere. So, and I think a lot of your expertise, other folks in in the American Poultry Association that are going to be involved in this new educational outreach program um, are, are going to be, which is fantastic sharing their experiences as well which i think will make the program that much uh that much better so that's fantastic um i know you wanted to start off for folks that may not know uh to share a little bit of a history about the american uh, poultry association and uh it's been around for a long time kind of uh, the goal has the goal changed from when it got started uh way back when and, and today's goal um, about it what 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 they do, why it's important to join. I know we can talk about that towards the end of the show, how folks can join the APA as well. So let's let's kick this off with a little bit of history uh, regarding the American Poultry Association. Well, Andy, like you said, the APA has been around for a number of years. It was founded in 1843. Uh, so it's been around for a long time. And surprisingly, the mission has remained pretty much the same for all that time, and that is to breed and produce the best and highest quality standard bred poultry that we possibly can. Um, how we get that message across has obviously changed. Um, you know, the association produces or publishes the APA standard of perfection, that's all the breed descriptions for each breed and each variety, uh, and all the standards uh, for those breeds and varieties, plus regular deductions and all that that you would run into in a poultry show uh it's quite a book uh, it has color pictures in it and it's it's really uh sort of the bible that serious breeders yeah. have that are going to be raising standard bred poultry but uh the first poultry show uh was november the 14th in 1849 uh, and it was in boston so showing's been around for a long time. You know, it goes kind of hand in glove, a lot of it, with uh, agricultural fairs because uh, the fair's history was in uh, agriculture. Farmers coming together, 
usually in the fall after the crops had been harvested to see who had the best uh, apples, who had the best and biggest pumpkins, or who had the best cattle, or who had the best horse, horses. Uh, and, and chickens were right up there with them, you know, who could produce the best. So it, it's, um, it's pretty fascinating when you get into studying the history. Uh, as a matter of fact, an, another outreach program the APA has started fairly recently, within the past year or so, uh, is a, an American Poultry Association history site um, where they're combining all these old records and old documents that they can find and, and putting them all together in, in one source where you can go back and look up all this stuff. I know they've got pictures of some of the old standards. They've got pictures of some of the old awards they used to give out uh, many years ago, and it's just really very fascinating. Uh, you can get to that site by going to the American Poultry Association homepage and just Google American Poultry Association, and it'll come right up. But it's down towards the bottom on the left-hand side, um, and it's it's a really fascinating uh, site once you get into it and, and get to digging around into it. Um, but like I said earlier, you know, the APA has always been about producing quality poultry from day one, just like we are today. And a lot of people have sort of lost sight of the fact that the early breeds, uh, say back in the 1920s, 1930s, like the Reds and the Rocks and the Leggerns and the Wyandots, those were all commercial breeds. And so they were created for a specific person. Uh, excuse me, specific purpose. Um, and then in the 40s and 50s, we started to see more of the hybrids uh, coming on, which were crosses between breeds, uh, and to where that's just about all you see in the commercial industry today uh, are the hybrids, like the Bovins Browns and the Isa Browns and, and the Brown Egg Layers and uh, the White Leggings. Uh, so, um, but when you really stop and think about all the many breeds that are covered under the blanket of the American Poultry Association, there is a huge amount of genetic resource and genetic material in these breeds that are certainly worth preserving because a lot of these breeds were used to create the modern uh, breeds and varieties that we have uh, in the commercial industry today. That's where they all came from. Long before, you know, we had long before the commercial industry, like you were saying, and I guess in the 30s and the 40s when when commercial industry started, and and we've had shows about the tremendous advancements in a, a broiler bird based on feed conversion and, and and the weights and things like that due to genetics and and breeding. And I was earlier I was going to say, uh, and I saved it for this is the perfect time. You know, one of the shows maybe we can do. We won't get into it obviously in this show, but uh, about even in show poultry, like you mentioned, the Rhode Island Red and the Bard Rock, mm-hmm. the Silver Lake Wyandot. How even from back then, uh, how that breed has has changed genetically. I'm assuming it has based on uh, all the different types of breeding over all of those those decades. And when you have a standard today. Um, uh, again, we'll get into this in another show. Is that standard based on looking at birds from the 30s, or, or, or have we adapted what that bird should look like today through decades and decades uh, of breeding? So that you don't have to answer that now, but it's, I think that would be a fascinating show because we've seen it in, in again in the commercial industry, the advancements made. But I'm sure there there has to be some difference between, uh, and I may be totally wrong. Wouldn't be the first time a Rhode Island Red today and a Rhode Island Red you might see in the 30s even though we're trying to make it a, a standard uh, uh, of perfection. Uh, so that, that'll be a, another topic for another show, which I'm really looking forward to if we can, we can do that. Um, but, but yeah, I, absolutely with that. The history sounds uh, fantastic. Please continue. Um, Andy, just to add to that just briefly, I will say that standards can and do change over time. But basically the folks in the 20s and 30s would recognize um, the standard red Rhode Island Reds of today as Rhode Island Red. They haven't changed all that much. But mm-hmm. like you said, we can, that's that's more information for another show that we can certainly sure. get into later on uh, down but, the road. Yeah, but like you said, these, these birds fed America before the commercial industry, I guess, fed America, where you have the, um, even in the urban areas, you'd have folks with the small flocks in their backyard, the Rhode Island Reds, the um, 
Bard Rock, Silver Laced Wine Dots, some of the breeds you mentioned, maybe some Orpingtons, and they, you know, they had them, and they fed their family, whether it be eggs or actually, hey, it's Sunday afternoon, go out and and, uh, and get me a chicken to to put in the pot. So, um, uh, again, the, the dual purpose birds that that fed America before uh, commercial industry fed America and, and the world. So I'm glad you alluded to that and mentioned that early on because uh, <clears throat> it is. People use these birds to, to feed to feed their family all these years, um, and that, that's I'm so glad you mentioned that. Well, Andy, a lot of folks, when I say standard bred poultry, tend to think show poultry, and it's, it's <laughs> truly not. If, if you go back after the turn of the last century, um, the standard bred birds were the commercial birds, and they were the show birds of the day. There, there wasn't two different lines, so to speak. And for production, they had birds back then that were laying uh, over 300 eggs per day. They had birds back then that, that grew fairly large. Now they don't grow as large or as fast as a modern Cornish crossbreeder does today. But that was the meat chicken of the day. And um, right. I, I, there's some fascinating information out there about that and and we can get into that certainly on another show that'd be great um one of the things that has sort of fascinated me is uh, and i know you talk about it a good bit fact-based science-based study-based information and there was a lot of poultry information being put out back turn of the century last century um, and surprisingly, just as much of it was probably incorrect as it is today because it was put out by the John Q. Public poultry breeder. And mm-hmm. everybody was – we didn't have the Internet back then, of course, but <laughs> you'd be amazed at the number of folks that were writing pamphlets and books and and selling them and, and distributing information. Part of it was good. Part of it was not so good. So it's it's not something we face today, but it's kind of always been the nature of the beast in the poultry uh, fancy that we've always had to contend with incorrect information. And, and we still do today. And also, even uh, Dr. McCready uh, alluded to this one time we were talking about uh, incubation and, and brooding, and she talked about even there were some textbooks way back, at, we'll say in the 30s and 40s, uh, maybe even earlier than that, that even recommended – that once that baby chick hatches, that you don't provide feed and water to them for 72 hours before then you put them in, say, the the brooder, for example, and then that's when you would go ahead and lay the feed and water to them. Uh, and that was even uh, kind of taught in, in some textbooks, poultry textbooks back then. And now <coughs> we've come total opposite, uh, all the way total opposite to where when I was at IPPE this past year, there was a company that had developed uh, literally – an incubator hatcher where literally once that baby chick hatches out, it falls through a hole in the floor right directly into uh, the brooder where they have immediate access to feed and water. Um, so as soon as they, I guess, kind of fluff up and start exploring, they can immediately get that. So we've seen even in, in science <coughs> – pardon me – and, and – um, and even in textbooks over the last, we'll just call it, you know, 100 years, even some differences there based on the science that we have today, uh, where even back then some things were done now, we would say beneficial, maybe not um, – uh, anyways, not wrong because that's, that's what they knew to do or thought they knew what to do back then. And with the science we've had over the last 100 years, and, and I'll never forget looking at the video at of that chick hatching and literally as it starts to kind of move around falling through a hole into the uh, brooder if you will with immediate food and and, and water at that point so yeah we've we've definitely come a long way um, and anybody that ever goes to the IPPE in Atlanta can definitely attest that we've come a long way with uh, with poultry uh, a couple of folks have told me uh, on many occasions that we know more about the chicken than any other species on the planet. Mainly it, it feeds the world. So, uh, and, it, and it makes sense regardless if it be the chicken's diet or it's, it's genetics and, and, and things like that. So it, it's, yeah, fascinating, but uh, yeah, you're without a doubt back, back to our, our, your point, there is a lot of bad information that is spread out there. And the, I think the internet um, now makes it even go viral, faster so you know something and it's hard to 
kind of reel, uh, um, reel that back in, if you will, once it's it's out there. And so that's it's been an uphill battle for me for years um, with that because because the internet makes that bad information go viral and it will affect you know tens of thousands more people maybe than it did back then with a pamphlet or something that was shared on the front steps of the feed and seed store between two people so so you're right it, it we definitely have, 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 have a, a long road ahead of us to try to uh, try to reel in that bad information that's that's exactly right and and i will say that a lot of the information that we know today is is fantastic but a lot of the information these old timers knew uh, about breeding and, and color breeding and all that kind of stuff. It's not, well, there's no reason for it to be researched, let's face it. But uh-huh. it's not being taught in schools today. And this mm-hmm. is some of the kind of information we're certainly interested in preserving um, because they they do a lot. And unfortunately, we've had a lot of poultry information that's gone to the grave as these old timers passed away. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think, aren't we getting kind of close up to your break time? I don't want to get barreling through that so <laughs> no that's fine before we start another topic that will take a few minutes that's perfectly fine we can go to commercial break folks we are talking today with rip stalvey he is with the american poultry association we're talking about right now the kind of the history of the apa and then in a few minutes we're going to get into uh, a new educational outreach program that they are developing which again is going to be totally free and a great resource for folks uh, i think whether it be that they want to get into showing poultry or just want to know more about the poultry in their backyard so i think it's going to be a fantastic program uh stay with us we'll be back right after this short break sweet pdz has been keeping horse stalls ammonia free and healthy for nearly 33 years however ammonia is ammonia regardless of the species producing it therefore it will do the same great job in your chicken coops and brooders Sweet PDZ safeguards flock health by neutralizing and eliminating harmful levels of ammonia and odors. Safe and effective moisture absorption. All-natural, non-toxic, premium-grade zeolite mineral. Contains no masking scents or chemical perfumes. Safe and beneficial to dispose with waste on compost and gardens. Learn more at SweetPDZ.com. That's SweetPDZ.com. When you need an incubator, think Brincy, the incubation specialists. Brincy has been a world-leading manufacturer of quality incubators for almost 40 years. They manufacture incubators that hold anywhere from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity controls and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and receive 10% off your entire order. Order your new incubator today at Brincy.com. That's B-R-I-N-S-E-A.com. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com. Hey, Chicken Whisperer fans. I'm proud to partner with Rita Marie's Chicken Coops. Rita Marie's provides American-made, built-to-order chicken coops with the highest quality and attention to detail. Their mission is to empower Americans with self-sufficiency while making America's backyards beautiful. I have one of their coops. I'm using it for my Bovin's Brown Layers. I went with a Dutch-style coop that has a classic barn style, and I was able to pick the size, features, and paint and trim colors that I wanted. I was surprised at the overall detail and the quality of construction. Rita Marie's builds the highest quality Amish crafted coops made to your order for an easy hands-off experience. Remember that not all Amish products are created equal. Find your beautiful new coop at largechickencoops.com. That's largechickencoops.com. 
the Chicken Whisperer, here to tell you that if you have backyard poultry, nothing is more important than making sure your feathered friends are safe from infectious poultry diseases. Learn the simple steps to keep your birds healthy by visiting this website, healthybirds.aphis.usda.gov. That's healthybirds.aphis.usda.gov. A message from the USDA. All righty. I want to uh, share with you also, uh, since we're running down uh, our commercial list here, a product that we actually started testing before it even came to market. Um, many of you know who follow us uh, on our Facebook page. We do a lot of Facebook live videos, training videos, and we do a ton of product reviews and product testing here on our farm. In fact, over the last year and a half, we probably have become uh, testing more products and, and, and doing product reviews than anybody else in the country when it comes to chicken-related and poultry-related products. In fact, this week, I've got some more product coming in from Cackle Hatchery. I'm really anxious to see what's coming in from them for us to use and test here. There also is a, um, a coop company that may be actually sending us some bulk product as well. So you'll be able to see all that on our Facebook Live videos when we do mail call and open up uh, the products that we get here and you can see us test them here and you can make kind of your own evaluation but one of the products that I want to tell you about is called Chick Fresh and we actually were sent uh, a bulk of this product it was black label meaning we didn't have the official label on it um, we do a lot of that here uh, so companies will send us their product to try out and then if we don't like it or we didn't have success or see success in that product it just goes away we're not going to say oh we didn't like it don't buy it that's not what we're all about if we don't like it it kind of goes away if we like it then after again the whole buildup of opening the product up when we get it and then the folks seeing us use it and live Facebook video on our farm in a situation they may be using it on and then we kind of give our, our, uh, our result well chick press was one of those uh, items that uh, we get and uh, when I first looked at it you know a 24 ounce I believe spray bottle uh, no label on it which is how we like it when we're testing and I, and I was very skeptical and I've told you that uh, before about the product I'm like, really you want me to spray this in my coop or my nest boxes or my brooder and okay another odor control product and there's so many that have come out over the last uh, 12 to 18 months regarding kind of the smaller flock and backyard poultry so we tried it and we used it and you saw us use it on the Facebook lives and and you saw the results we were surprised with the results, really. I mean, totally surprised. I was very skeptical spraying this like in, in the coop, really. Um, and then now it's become a staple here. We have these bottles hanging in our coop, uh, not only in our nest boxes, but in our coop bedding as well, to try to uh, uh, eliminate uh, the odor that comes with keeping a few backyard or small flock poultry. We got different size coops. We have this, you know, different poultry and number of poultry in those. But where we saw also a huge advantage, uh, where people will try this first and see how awesome the product is. Um, in their brooders and so many people just get a rubbermaid bin from walmart for like 22 bucks they'll put some shavings in it a one gallon water record feeder and a, and a heat source and then they come to realize that wow brooding ticks is very dusty in this situation and it can become very stinky and so by using the chick fresh product and, and it's very inexpensive you can find it on amazon um spraying it down in there in that bedding not only because you're spraying that bedding down and making it not moist, but just, again, spraying it down there um, can uh, eliminate a lot of that dust that you have from brooding, and it can eliminate a lot of the odors you're going to get from brooding. Let's face it, even though it's not recommended, a lot of people who brood baby chicks do it inside their house. Not recommended, but they are. A lot of people will do it in the garage, and I cannot count on two hands, over two hands, of how many wives had said, you know, my husband is so mad, I'm brooding chicks in the garage, and all this dust gets all over his car, and then he has to wash his car and get this chick dust off of it. I've heard it a million times if I've heard it once. And so that's kind of a dual purpose here with the product called Chick Fresh. Again, you can find it on Amazon. Just type in Chick Fresh Odor Control. You'll see it. You'll see all the awesome reviews. Every time I mention it on Facebook Live videos, we'll have actual users that come up and say, this is awesome. And then they're seeing secondary uses as well. They're saying, I'm using this in my litter box for my cat. I'm using this in my garbage can pail in the kitchen. I'm using this actually in my farm truck <laughs> to make it smell somewhat better because it is all natural. It uses uh, enzymes. It's, it is a pleasant um, uh, odor. But I wanted to share with you guys because sometimes you'll see me test a product and then and then you're not sure what 
happens to it. But Chick Fresh um, has something that, again, skeptical look at first. You saw us use it before it even went to market. It is available out there on the market now in select tractor supply stores and, and on Amazon. But we, it has now become a staple here for many different reasons. And so go check them out. Um, uh, just uh, you can do that. You can even Google ch uh, Chick Fresh odor control. So I want to share that with you because sometimes the products that we test on the farm, you'll see us test. Sometimes you may not follow up to know what happens with it. So I wanted to share that with you. Today we're talking with Rip Stalvey, American Poultry Association, um, and we're talking about the history of the APA and a good overview, uh, and then also this new educational outreach program that they are developing. So let's get right back to it. Rip, let's, uh, let's continue and wrapping up kind of the history with the APA, uh, letting people uh, you know, have an understanding of what it's all about. And then <coughs> we're really excited to get into this uh, new educational outreach program. Thanks, Andy. Be happy to. Uh, just, just to kind of wrap up on the history, um, I would like folks, if they don't take anything else away from it, uh, to take this away that it's, a lot of our breeds were commercial breeds at one time. Um, they were capable of producing just as many eggs as a lot of the breeds today that we have from the commercial industry. Uh, of course, the birds uh, that were meat producers back then don't grow as large or as fast, but uh, they got the job done. So uh, that's kind of what the APA is all about, standard bred poultry. It's, it's breeding to a standard, a written standard, uh, and that's what's going to continue to keep our current breeds uh, viable and preserve those genetic resources for the future. Uh, before I, I jump off into the uh, education and training program, I've got three sort of little newsy items here that oh. listeners may not be aware of. Uh, one of them is, is somewhat positive, and the other two are, are a little bit more on the negative side. But the APA recently approved three new varieties of bantams. Um, they approved the black-breasted red rose comb, uh, lemon blue cochins, and buff Colombian cochins. These are, these are all bantams, um, and you can find the standard for those on the website. Uh, incidentally, you know, some folks ask me, well, where can I find the, the standard for this new variety? It's not in, in the um, standard of perfection. Well, any variety that's been approved since the last printing of the standard of perfection listed right there on the American Poultry Association's website. So uh, it's all the information is there. You just a few clicks and you can download it and you're good to go. Um, the other thing, um, some of you, and you may be aware, some of the listeners may be aware, but just recently, within the last week or so, the uh, United States Post Office has really uh, pulled out a heavy hammer on the shipping of live poultry uh, to where the price for shipping birds has just skyrocketed all the way through the roof. Um, I was talking with a friend of mine yesterday, and he said, you know, three weeks ago I shipped a pair of chickens, and it was $45. Um, a little bit after that, it had gone up to about twice that, and it's now sitting at well over $130 to ship the same two birds in the mail. Um that, that's really getting to the prohibitive side of things. Um, but I'm, I'm sure, and I don't know what the solution is going to be, uh, but one thing about chicken folks, they've always been able to pull through and, and put together some additional resources when they needed to. I can remember uh, back in the day that chickens didn't come through the mail. Uh, they were shipped Railroad Express. I, I remember getting chickens delivered to me and having to go down to the train station and pick them up from Railroad Express Agency, and I'm really kind of start showing my age there. Uh, <laughs> but then, you know, they quit doing that. And so then it became, they had to be transported on the airlines. Well, that was all well and good, and it was fast. But if you didn't live anywhere close to an international airport, you were kind of up the creek without a paddle because you had to go to your nearest international airport to pick up your birds. And it was, trust me, a lot more expensive than uh, those birds that were shipped by train. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the next thing to come along after that is uh, the United States Post Office agreeing that they would begin to ship live poultry other than baby chicks. They'd been handling baby chicks for years, but they would begin to ship uh, standard, uh, started poultry and uh, adult poultry. Uh, and it used to be quite reasonable, but uh, 
with these new rate increases, it's, it's something's going to have to give, and I'm not sure what it is. I don't know if it will be uh, more folks getting together at shows to swap birds or sell birds or whatever. Or, uh, some folks have been batting around the idea of starting a chicken train where uh, this person would take birds to the next person down the line, and they would take them to the next person down the line until they had a group of folks just getting birds all over the country. I'm, I'm not sure how that would work. That's just something that's being talked about right now. Um, but I, I just want the listeners to be aware of that. Uh, if they had plans on ordering birds or have ordered birds, uh, brace yourself. If it's shipped in the mail, it's going to be pricey to get those things. Mm-hmm. Um, the last thing, and I just saw this yesterday evening, uh, and I, I haven't had time to do a lot of research into it. Uh, it's called, and it, it happened here in South Florida, where they have discovered Muscovy duck parvovirus uh, in feral Muscovies. Uh, apparently, this disease has been in Europe for a number of years, and, and it affects primarily the, the young ducklings, um, and it's pretty much fatal if, if they get it, they're not going to survive it. Uh, and it's highly contagious. Um, and I did do enough research on it that is a very similar to disease called goose parvovirus. I, I did not know that waterfowl could get parvovirus. Um, I haven't, some folks have asked me, you know, can it be transmitted to people? Well, I haven't seen anything that indicates that, but. It's, I, I want to do a little more digging on it, but I just want folks to be aware of it. Uh, this, this is something we, we, particularly down here in Florida, we need to keep our eyes on uh, mm-hmm. because we have a lot of feral Muscovy ducks down here, and, and the opportunity for that stuff to spread and take off down here is just uh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, one, that, that, I saw something about that, and I have not had a chance to read it yet. I did save it. I got, I got it, I think, through email from somebody and um yeah it was the, the <laughs> it caught my eye and i was well i don't have time to second but i'll go back and reach uh, read that since you had mentioned it one thing i want to mention about the uh united states postal service is uh i don't want to say this is nothing new the price increase is is tremendous and that that is new but you and i both know that it seems like about every four or five years, uh, we hear them threatening not to even ship live poultry anymore. We, we hear that, and then everybody gets together, and they go speak, or they go talk at these meetings, or they put pressure on the Postal Service. But, yeah, it seems like over the last 12 years, about every four years or so, that you know, they'll threaten not to ship them at all, and then everybody gets all up in arms, and then nothing ever really happens. They keep shipping it, and so now maybe this this time right now – uh, the the rate increase is taking place of well we just don't want to ship anymore it's too much of a pain or you know we're we're they, they threaten not to ship them at all now they're like well let's not go down that road let's just increase our prices um, and so that maybe that they're they're um, using that now instead of the threatening of we're just not going to do it to you know what <laughs> we we'll just raise our prices and uh, I don't know maybe they're thinking the, the higher cost will uh, limit or reduce the number of birds that are being shipped, which kind of maybe uh, is a is a step in their direction of not wanting to do it anymore. Maybe they're uh, kind of uh, we can reduce this by raising our prices. So I mean I don't know what their theory is there, but um, I did want to mention that to folks, maybe new folks that didn't know about it. it. Seems like about every four years we go down this road with the the postal service and them not wanting to ship, threatening not to ship, and now we've got the price increase, which may be in their 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 ultimate plan. Uh, to not ship, so uh, I wanted to share that with folks that may, that may not know. So um, thank you for sharing those uh, three tidbits uh, of news uh, to all of our listeners that that may not uh, may not have heard of any of that. So that's that's great. Thanks thanks for that. Let's uh, shift gears over to the um, the new educational outreach program. I know everybody over there at APA is very excited about this, and it's been in the works now for I think at least a year, maybe longer than that. But it's finally uh, kind of coming coming to light, uh, including, I think, outreach with this radio show, the, the fourth Thursday of every month. We're going to have you guys on writing an article every issue, uh, four issues a year in Chicken Whisperer magazine. And then now uh, what I can, I'm going to assume is maybe websites and places they can go to, to get uh, all this information uh, from the APA. So let's, let's switch gears and talk about this new educational outreach program. Absolutely. Um, it, it's something that I have been thinking about 
for literally decades, why doesn't the APA do something? And, and why don't we have some sort of formalized education effort and training effort uh, for the APA? And it, uh, I've talked about it to a lot of folks. Yeah, well, we kind of, you know, we, we need to think about that. We need to do something about that. And then about 18 months or so ago, I thought, well, this is dumb. If we're going to do anything, let's do it. And so um, I approached our president, and he said, that's a good idea. Why don't you do that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how it runs. I, I do. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Yep. <laughs> uh, but it, it's by no stretch of the imagination. It's not just me that's involved in this. We've got some wonderful committee members um, that are working with me and, and and we have some folks that are maybe not working on it as intensely as the committee is uh, but folks like graphic artists and writers and that kind of thing uh, that we kind of pull into the loop on an as-needed basis um, so we begin by asking ourselves first who is our audience who do we want to reach out to? And basically, it's anybody that has chickens. You know, yeah. it can be a, the backyard folks who have three or four, five, six laying hens. Uh, it can be those that um, have some and they, they hatch a few each year to, re, to replace and replenish their flock, uh, mm-hmm. all the way up to uh, the people who are in it for the show aspect and, and that sort of thing. Um, and and that's a pretty good sized audience, as you know, to try to market to. So sure. we've we've had to try to create or work on content uh, that will address over time all of those. Uh, I, this is not a project that is going to be. All right, we're we're going to have this completed and completely finished in a year. Um, Andy, this is a process that's that is going to go on and on and on because. There's so much information out there already. Uh, there's new information that's coming down the pipe on a regular basis. Um, and, and, you know, I, I had some, somebody was talk, asked me the other day, he said, well, how long do you think this take? I thought, well, I'll be dead before I get through with it. <laughs> there's just so much information out there. Um, right. And, and, you know, we were talking earlier, back in the early days, a lot of the information was distributed by print. That was pretty much the only way you had to do it. Um, A lot of the information was incorrect, just like today. Uh, Then we transitioned to where more information was distributed by textbook and and other research efforts. But the written word is, is good, but when you talk to people, they want a picture. They want a video. Show me. Let my eyes see it so I can understand it, so I can grasp the concept. So we opted to go the route of videos. Um, We're producing shorter videos, um, five to ten minutes in length. Uh, We have four up now um, on YouTube and linked to our, our website. Uh, and our education and training website is apaeducationandtraining.org. That's apaeducationandtraining.org. Um, and if you can't remember that, just go to the APA homepage and down on the bottom left-hand side of the homepage, you'll see our logo down there, Education and Training. Just click on that logo, and it'll take you right over to the website, uh, to all the resources there, and and all the the places you can see it. Um, mm-hmm. how, how do we plan to deliver this content? Um, well, obviously, we've got the website. Uh, we've got YouTube. Uh, we hope to develop a Facebook presence in the very near future um, mm-hmm. so we can take advantage of the social media aspect. Uh, and, and then, obviously, through folks uh, and people like yourself, helping us very graciously to get this word out, to pass this information along, A, to begin with, just to let folks know that it's available. Um, Mm -hmm. And somebody says, well, how much are you going to charge for it? We're going to charge a dime for it. Um, Because APA is firmly convinced that 
you know, education should be free. It's uh, uh, information that we can pull together uh, with a collaborative effort uh, from several different resources and compile it into short video presentations that folks can take and use and apply no matter where they are in their journey along the poultry path. So it's it's um, it's a great it's for me it's a lot of fun to work on it. Uh, the video production aspect is a little more tedious than I would like, but it uh, really you, is. you know it kind of, it, it kind of is what it is sort of situation. Um, and it's not all. I'll fully admit all of it is not original video content uh, that we've produced. Uh, we've got a series in there from. Uh, a really good friend of mine by the name of Mike Omeg in Washington State, or excuse me, um, he's just south of Washington State. He, he's in Oregon. Um, and Mike put together two videos. Uh, he raises primarily uh, New Hampshire's. And he has probably the best setup for breeding and rearing and producing standard bread poultry I have ever seen. It's absolutely incredible. And what's so great about it, it's all logical. It's, it's nothing fancy. It's all simple. He's, he's a big fan of the keep it simple, make it fun. Um, and it's so duplicatable. Uh, you, you know, you don't have to do it on the, the grand scheme that he does. You can do it with just a, a few birds. And I, I've learned a lot from Mike uh, over the past few years since he and I been knowing each other and conversing with each other and he very graciously allowed us to take these two videos and uh, honestly they were about an hour and a half in length so we we're breaking them down into shorter oh 10 minute or so segments uh, but it's just it's just folks like that that are so willing to help us and offering their knowledge and their information uh for us to use that's really going to make this a, a really fun project to work with. And I'm guessing there'll be the topics will be endless. I mean, there'll be topics on, you know, uh, hatching and then uh, brooding, and then there'll be topics on uh, specific breeds and, and all about a specific breed, and then coops and and uh, proper bedding, and, and probably maybe even some stuff on. Uh, illness and, and disease, I would assume. So I know it's like you said, it's yes. going to take a while to get this up and running. You got to start somewhere, and uh, it sounds like that y'all have started off on the, on the right foot, which is fantastic. And uh, I like the aspect of <laughs> again being able to learn a lot of this again firsthand, being able to see it, but also folks that uh, you know they don't want you to have to reinvent. <laughs> the wheel uh and that's that's kind of mm -hmm. how I, I got started back in the day you know the uh chicken whisperer was about a person and it was about a person who wants to share his experience so other folks don't have to reinvent the wheel uh and, and then again that kind of led into um again how can i get this expand this and now it's kind of become a brand of that that little kind of the segment you had talked about science-based fact-based study-based information to help people raise the healthiest flock possible um and so so yeah the, and, and and i'm sure as as your outreach program grows uh some things will change here and there and uh for 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 the good and and you, you might go off in different directions to make it even even better but it sounds like that y'all right foot you've got great goals and uh it's i'm really excited about it especially because I, I don't show chickens i have never i've covered a lot of shows in, in my day uh nor do i have the time <laughs> time to show and everything else but it's fascinating some of my uh best memories are heading to a show i remember i had bought like the mac daddy laptop for broadcasting i was broadcasting live at a show i believe it was down in noonan georgia i believe it was oh, what was it called the chattahoochee valley uh show down there in mm -hmm. noonan georgia i love that show it's they do such a great job and i've been there a few times <laughs> i had a a nice little cart had i mean a brand spanking new top of the line uh laptop there camera broadcasting live microphone and uh we're going down looking at the different breeds and next thing you know this I don't even remember what breed this chicken just kind of turns around and starts kicking its feet and just covered 
my brand new laptop literally maybe that week <laughs> and just covered it in shavings, covered it. Um, and I was just like, Oh, what is going? What, what is this? Um, and uh, we got it on video. It was absolutely hilarious. And, uh, but yes, you know, interviewing folks, interviewing the breeders and, and, and just the camaraderie with the members that are doing the showing at some of my best, um, uh, times over the years have been covering uh, covering the shows. It looks like it's about 10 till, and so we've got to go to another brief commercial break. So if you're just tuning in, we are talking with Rip Stalvey uh, the, with the American Poultry Association. We've been talking about an overview of the APA and some new education outreach programs that they're doing, which is going to be, I think, top notch. And so uh, just have about 10 minutes, 15 minutes uh, after the break to continue. So please stay with us uh, and we'll be back right after this short break. Since 1921, Stromberg's has been a family-owned and operated business providing quality poultry and poultry supplies to their customers. Today, the Strombergs family offers over 200 different breeds of poultry, including chickens, waterfowl, and game birds. They also offer poultry supplies for both the beginner and experienced poultry keeper. Strombergs should be on the top of your list when it's time to order your new day-old baby chicks and poultry supplies. Order online today at strombergschickens.com. That's strombergschickens.com. Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer. If you're in the market for a new incubator, then look no further than GQF. They have a great selection of tabletop and cabinet-style incubators at prices you can afford. I love my GQF Genesis Model 1588. It has a large picture window and an automatic thermostat, which makes for a better hatch every time. Go pick out your new incubator at GQFradio.com. That's GQFradio.com. Metzer Farms is now hatching and shipping the premier egg layer. This girl is consistently laying jumbo eggs with a higher nutrient density and lower water content than your eggs now. She is an extremely hardy bird and the most heat and cold tolerant egg layer available, allowing for year-round outdoor production. An eggshell unmatched in sturdiness and thickness, making cracks a thing of the past. Increase your health and double your egg profits. Of course, we're talking about ducks. Duck eggs are revered by chefs for their succulent flavor and by bakers for being the better baking egg. Learn more about this extraordinary duck, the Golden 300, or any of our other 35-plus breeds of ducks and geese at MetzerFarms.com and order your next flock from us. At Kambach Feeds, our layer pellets and crumbles are all natural, antibiotic-free, with no animal byproducts. Formulated just for laying hens, our feed is fortified with essential amino acids and calcium to ensure maximum production of nutritious, tasty, strong-shelled eggs. From our family to yours, feed your hens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome, goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Find a dealer at kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H, feeds.com. Or order your layer pellets and crumples today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of the Chicken Whisperer. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com. And now we return to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer with your host, Andy Schneider. All righty. Once again, since we're running through our uh, commercial breaks, I want to tell you about another product that we tested literally for almost an entire year before it even came to market. Let me be very forward with you guys. The reason why I like this product is because of who developed it. It was developed uh, by a, a global nutrition supplement company uh, out in Germany, Phytobiotics. Um, and so I know it was developed 
by poultry scientists and folks that are do nothing but poultry nutrition at a at a global level, uh, primarily for commercial birds, and they have developed this product um, for small flock poultry and backyard poultry. That is kind of uh, I don't know the exact word to use a derivative of their uh, a product that they deliver uh, globally to commercial poultry. Basically, at the end of the day, it consists of um, and it can eliminate folks from having to buy multiple items. For example, one scoop per gallon is the is the delivery of this product. It is a powder, and it includes probiotic, um, prebiotic. It includes electrolytes. It includes amino acids vitamins, minerals, and so if you're out there, okay, well, I have to buy my probiotic, I'm out, oh, I have to buy some electrolytes for the summer, oh, I have to buy this, I have to buy that, oh, probiotic, very important. Um, Now you can buy this one product, and again, it wasn't developed by just a uh, novice chicken vlogger. I mean, that's one reason why I was like, yes, please send me this product, this would be fantastic, because it was developed by scientists in that uh, global supplement animal uh, market by phytobiotics out uh, based out I believe of Germany we used it for over a year before it came to market um, and we've used it in our, uh, our, our we used it in everything uh, we used it in our brooders with our chicks we used it in our broilers we used it in our layers and you know we sell to restaurants here egg production here is very important to us and um, so we've been using it. I will say, and I've told them this before, and, and we all kind of agree they value my opinion on this. I know that that product, uh, even on the label, I believe it says uh, use every day, one gallon per gallon, uh, excuse me, one scoop per gallon. So if we have a five-gallon waterer here, uh, I'll use five scoops for that five-gallon waterer. But I, I've never really kind of bought into that continual delivery. Um, We've had poultry scientists and poultry veterinarians and poultry nutritionists. We've had articles in the magazine that have talked about really not needing to deliver the electrolytes every day, 365 days a year. And so uh, I've shared that with them. They appreciate that. um, And and, and they have no issues with that or my opinion of, you know what, Um, I've always used electrolytes in the hot summer months being here in Georgia, you know, uh, June, July, and August. And that's when I'll use the electrolytes and still not every single day. I'll deliver the electrolytes and then give the fresh water to them uh, for three days, give a couple of days of the electrolytes. So, even here with this product, even though we're still using this product and we've seen you know, what we feel is great you know, results with using the product in all aspects, broilers, broilers uh, chicks, um, we do not use it every single time we refill their waters. It is not a continual use here, uh, but we still continue to use it um, on a regular basis. And uh, you can find it also on Amazon. It's Chicken Delight. Uh, D-E-L-Y-T-E, Chicken Delight. And, and again, from the get-go, when they wanted to when we test the product, use the product, and now that it's released to promote the product, um, it was a, a no-brainer knowing who the poultry professionals were that developed this product and the science that went into this product and the fact that it can probably save some folks some money by not having to buy three or four different products because you can buy this one product, one scoop per gallon is all it takes. You can find that on Amazon, Chicken Delight, uh, and it's, 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 it's pretty cool stuff. You can uh, read about it in the research there. All right, let's get back to our phone lines with um, uh, Rip Stavli. Uh, I got a question for you. You know, it wouldn't be me if I didn't ask. And um, <laughs> this is not controversial in any way because we have folks come on, and I'm like, hey, CDC, USDA, whoever, I'm going to ask the tough questions because I know our listeners are going to have tough, tough questions. Um, and that comes, and we've mentioned it before. So, what kind of quality control do you have set up um, to make sure that when you share it? Um, you kind of know that's the right right information. I'm sure there's plenty of poultry veterinarians, poultry scientists, and poultry nutritionists that belong to APA. You may have a team of them that are on staff or on the board or what have you. But um, who's doing the quality control that when when someone sees that video on the YouTube or online or, or these different uh, places they can go to get this uh, uh, information, this educational information, um, how it ends up being 
um, uh, science-based, study-based. And we totally get earlier when we talked about there is value in talking to um, someone like yourself who has decades and decades of experience where it's not always going to be in a textbook. It's not always going to be just black and white and straightforward based on whatever the topic might be. So there's value in, in, in talking with our elders and the folks that have decades of experience. But at the end of the day, there's that fine line where you know we don't want to just have, oh, it worked for me, so it's going to work for you. And so um, how, how you guys over APA – uh, filtering through that, so because I know it's important to you that the information you share is 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 the Mac Daddy, if you will, versus just it work for me, so it'll work for you type of issue. Is how is that review process done to make sure you're getting that 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 correct information out there? Well, Andy, that as you said is very very critical. Uh, when we come up with a topic, one of the first things we ask are, you know, where are the reliable resources what is proven through research through study whatever where can we go to get that information uh, we'll get that and we may use pull that information in there we may go to another person uh, and that we know and trust and, and use that information you know I alluded to earlier uh, my friend Mike Omega out in uh, Oregon sure. yeah. I've known Mike for a, a number of years now um, and I have seen his setup. I have handled his birds. I have seen how he raises and produces his birds. Uh, and it's just somebody that I know and I trust. And, you know, we just kind of, as a group, review all the information, uh, make sure that it's accurate before we ever uh, put it out there. Mm-hmm. And that's great because I knew I knew kind of what the answer would probably be um, because I know what you're all about and what you're striving to do here. I just, uh, I, of course, I had to ask. I think people may have been thinking uh, the same thing. Um, we're just about out of time, but I think you've done a fabulous job uh, letting our listeners know about the American Poultry Association, uh, how long it's been around, the history, the goal, um, and, and how y'all are trying to continue that that goal and that mission statement, and then this. Again, really exciting new educational outreach program that y'all are developing. Again, I, me of all folks know it's going to be a, a slow process, but it's such a rewarding process, especially in the years to come as, as the folks that are members now and their kids and then their kids to follow and then grandkids, and they can come up as y'all develop this. Because let's, let's face it, the standard of perfection, uh, wow, what, what an amazing publication, and it did just and all of a sudden – doesn't get put together willy-nilly there's, there's a lot that goes into that so uh, i'm sure mm -hmm. just as well as this new educational program even though it's going to be using again modern technology with videos and youtube and, and and things like that anything else before we wrap it up rip that you want to share or what was on your outline that you wanted to make sure you conveyed to our audience today andy just real quickly uh, a lot of folks think that poultry production and breeding is a step-by-step-by-step -step -step process and you go from step A to step D and you're finished and done with it. Uh -huh. um, I, it's not really the case, at least with standard bred poultry. It's more of a secular thing where you you got to factor in breeding, hatching, rearing, uh, evaluation, and that all becomes a, a circular process where you're just going through that year after year after year to produce better and better birds. So that's mm -hmm. what we want to try to, to do with this educational and training program is we, we sincerely hope that this first step is the first step in a very long, very productive, and very fruitful journey for the American Poultry Association. That's, our, that's where we're headed with it. And that is fantastic, and it really sounds like that y'all are uh, going down the right path. That's, uh, I love it. It's great, and I wish you all the best. And I want to thank you for coming on and want to let all our listeners know that whether it be RIP or somebody else with APA, uh, we've kind of designated the fourth Thursday uh, of every month at 2 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time where you can tune in and listen to a live show. We've kind of designated that fourth Thursday to the American Poultry Association. So I'm excited about some of the shows to come because, uh, again, we can talk about all the aspects of showing or really focus on a particular breed and different breeds. There's going to be no shortage of information that we're going to be able to talk about with the APA on the fourth Thursday. So we're so glad that we've teamed up and are going to be offering that to our listeners. So thank you very much for coming on today, Rip. Wish you all the best as well as uh, the APA and this new educational outreach program. And we look forward to seeing you next month. 
Thank you, Andy. I'm certainly looking forward to it. And on behalf of myself and the American Poultry Association, we appreciate you working with us to get the word out. Y'all, you're just great. <laughs> Thank you so much for those kind words, and uh, we will definitely see you uh, next month. Folks, thank you all for tuning in to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer brought to you by Kalmbach Feeds. We appreciate you um, and listening, and we hope to continue to uh, produce uh, fantastic uh, top-of-the-line podcast with topics that you are interested in to continue to keep coming back and listening to these uh, and, again, spreading the chicken love, we call it, uh, science-based, fact-based, study-based information for all aspects of folks in the poultry world. And uh, so we'll see you uh, next week with another great episode of Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. This has been Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer with your host, Andy Schneider. For more information, find us on the web at chickenwhisperer.com on Facebook by typing in The Chicken Whisperer, on Twitter at Backyard Poultry, and on Instagram at The Real Chicken Whisperer. Thanks for listening.